Well, welcome, everybody. I hope you had a great Christmas. You know, the Christmas service is awesome. We had over 2,600 people between our three campuses last week. That's, that's all. Keep inviting. Keep inviting. Welcome to the kids. Good to have you in here for another week. You get to have your kids program start back up next week. And welcome to our guests. We hope this will be a good place for you to explore faith and get closer to God and experience community. You know, one of the movies that big, tough, macho men are allowed to cry at is Rudy, right? You've seen Rudy, the football player who wants to play so badly for Notre Dame, but he doesn't have the size or the talent or the grades or the money to play. But because of his great passion and heart and hunger, they allow him to suit up and play on the practice team. But he never gets to suit up for a real game. And uh, by the end of the season, he's getting pretty discouraged. He's almost ready to quit. But the other players are so impressed by his desire and his drive that they pressure the coach to let him suit up for the final game of the season. You know, in those final seconds, with all the crowd and the players chanting, Rudy, 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 Coach Divine sends him out on the field. Here we go. I've got to tell you, it's just occurred to me. Goosebumps, right? Like every time, man. That's what we need more of in our lives. More passion, heart, and hunger like that. And it's missing in so many of our lives. So here we are at the beginning, almost of a new year. Many of us are at this place where I think we're at a crossroads. We're at a hinge point that the rest of the year could turn on because we're either going to go to a place where we, we grow more and more discouraged and we, we feel tempted to quit or we're going to go to a place where we're going to get fired up. We're going to become more passionate, have more heart, have a, have a breakthrough. Because some of us are not growing spiritually like we should. It feels like we've hit a wall. Some are just drained and they need to be refilled. Others are going through a dry season and they need to be refueled. And you're just not at a place where you're motivated anymore to, to do much of anything for God, to show up, to sing, to serve, to pray, none of it. Some of us here probably have never, ever stepped across that line of faith and commitment. You've only experienced stale religion and not real faith. Some aren't experiencing any change at all. They're just stuck. They're stagnant, just kind of half-heartedly drifting off into spiritual apathy and complacency and mediocrity. And some, I think, are battling or, or have even surrendered to a lot of the, the bad vices and habits and attitudes that are blocking your blessings from God. And so maybe you feel like you've, you've fallen away from the closeness that you used to have with God. You remember that? Remember how close you used to feel, your love for God, your, your love for the things of God, and you've, you've now it's like you're just going through the motions of church life. Prayer is bland. I mean, the sermons no longer hold your attention. It's all this that you're doing right now is just kind of bouncing off the ceiling. It's not really going anywhere. You find yourself kind of riding the fence, spiritually restless. Do you need a breakthrough? Because I know God would like a closer relationship with you, not one that's casual or distant or even just respectable. You know, at the end of your, your Bible, there's a book called Revelation written by John, one of Jesus' closest disciples. And there Jesus gives some personal words of encouragement to some specific churches in Asia Minor. So he addresses their situation directly. And to the church in Ephesus, he commends them for all the good they're doing, their hard work. They're, um, they're, they wouldn't tolerate evil. They're persevering. They're enduring hardship. But he says this in Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. Yet I hold this against you. 
You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. You've lost the love you had for me at first. Why? What happened to you? Why have you drifted away? You need to come back. Does that describe you or, or us? Do we need to get back to the love we had for the Lord at first? Now, in the next chapter, he addresses the church at Laodicea, and it reflects that, yes, you can be a church-going believer, but not really be at that level of relationship that God would like to have with you. Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16, Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. And so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus is saying, look, I know you're good people, but it just makes me sick about your lukewarm attitude toward me. Now, the the traditional understanding of this is that Jesus would prefer us to either be hot, like, you know, on fire, really committed and passionate, or he'd rather us just be completely cold, just turn away, walk away, have nothing to do with him at all. But that's not what he's saying at all. I I don't think that's the intent. The idea was, you know, hot water is good, cold water is good. They're both useful for something. It's the lukewarm water. That's, that's worthless. And he says, look, I wish you were good for something. I wish you had some commitment, some passion. But right now, you're, you're just coasting. And look, I don't have three steps to a spiritual breakthrough. I don't have a five-point plan. All I really want to do today is to stir up in you some dissatisfaction with the status quo, with your relationship with God, that there's more of God that you would walk out of here desiring more of God, that you would recognize your need for closeness to God, and you would want to do something about it in the new year. And I can't teach you to want this. I can teach you how, but I can't teach you to actually want. You've got to want it. Do you want to get closer to God? I, I read this book probably 20 plus years ago by Dr. Bruce Wilkinson that addressed a lot of these concepts about spiritual breakthroughs. And so for the next couple of weeks going into 2019, we're going to be talking about emptying our lives of all the junk that's cluttered up and blocked our relationship with God so that we can be filled up with more and more of God. Because God is calling you to a closeness with him. And while his typical pattern may be to work through us Slowly, progressively, he can give you a breakthrough in a moment. He can change anybody's life in an instant. Right? He, he, a breakthrough is when you get out of that rut that you've been stuck in for so long, when you blow past that obstacle that's been blocking those blessings from God. It's when you jump off that level you're on onto a, that plateau you're at. Get to a higher level in your relationship with God. But the thing is, we've got to be ready for this. It, He does this in response to our readiness. So do you want it? Are you ready? Because God is searching for a place where people are passionate, where they're passionately pursuing him with all their heart. Why? So he can pour out his presence on us. And when people come to a church service like this, I think the main reason they show up is they want to encounter God in some way. Right? That's why everybody's here. We want to encounter God. And yet many don't. Or at least they don't very much. Because they really weren't ready for it. They didn't come expecting a real divine encounter. It's more like I'm just going to show up and endure another church service. What did you do to prepare for God's presence today? Have you even worshipped since we were together the last time? Have you been praying about what to expect this weekend? 
praying for the praise team, praying for that poor, pathetic preacher that something would happen. Have you done any of that to get ready for today? You see, yes, it could be that you're not getting close to God right now because the services are lifeless and boring. Could be that. Or could it be that we would have more powerful services if God's people were more passionate about meeting with him? Could that make a difference? I mean, did you prepare to meet with God today? Come with any expectations. I think the real question is, how is our appetite for God? Is there a hunger for God? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they'll what? They'll be filled. You want to be filled. Well, you can't be filled if you're already filled up with other junk. I mean, most Americans don't understand true hunger, do we? Because we're, we're well-fed, especially this time of the year, really well-fed. I mean, we are crammed with casseroles and stuffed with stuffing and bloated with bread and lethargic from cookies and fudge and puddings and pies. And now we're at a place where we're saying, you know what? I'm going to get rid of all this junk food out of my house before the new year. So how am I going to get rid of it? I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat all the unhealthy, fattening, sugary things I possibly can and get it out of sight so I can start my diet January 1. Well, let's be, let's be real. January 2. I mean, January 2nd, I'll start. You know what? May as well wait till Monday. Start on Monday, January 7th. So we don't really know what it means to be hungry. We're filled with so much junk. And so we come here expecting the church to fill us up. Come, feed me, feed me. But how can we be fed if we're already filled up with the junk food of this world? You're not going to have a healthy appetite for the things of God if you've been cramming all the crud from the world in yourself all week long. <laughs> I mean, you, maybe you're just here to casually nibble a little bit. You know, you're, you're here to graze, and you end up <laughs> becoming like... Um, Somebody sitting at a restaurant complaining about the service, that you know the, the waiters weren't quick enough to bring you another glass of water, or that the place setting wasn't put out just right for you. There's a fork missing, and you didn't really like that spicy appetizer. But you know, people who are hungry, they show up at a restaurant, and they don't really care about the temperature and the music and the place setting, whether a fork's missing, how spicy the appetizer was. They just dig in, and they eat as much as, and as fast as they possibly can, because they're, they're hungry. They're just grateful they got fed. And I wonder if we show up more like overfed food critics instead of being people who are hungry for the things of God. So I'm going to talk to three different groups of people right now because I think we're all here for the same reason. We all want to encounter God in some way, get close to God, but we're at different places spiritually. Some have been believers for a long time. Others are brand new believers, and so others aren't believers at all. And so I want to let these three stools behind me represent three different kinds of people. All right, and stool number one, this stool are those who are fully devoted to God. Uh, and this is where you want to be. This is awesome. These are the bedrock believers, solid in their faith. But when we get to this stool, Sometimes we feel like, well, this is as far as I'm going to go. I've arrived. And we don't really have expectations for anything more. The, uh, the familiar becomes the, the expectation, you know, the, the predictable. We've fallen into a routine and we think, okay, this is good. And what I want us to see here is that this, this isn't the final destination. 
I don't want us to grow spiritually complacent and even spiritually prideful. Like, I've, I've, I've arrived. I want us to see that there's, there's so much more. There's more of God to be experienced. Now, we're not going to go chasing after spiritual highs and mountaintop experiences, but we got a sense that there's a void. There's room for more. And we don't want to fill that with anything other than more and more of God, okay? But I want to go over here to stool number three now, and these are those who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, you're here. So I'm guessing you have some interest in that, though. Maybe you went to church as a child or you visited a variety of churches. But the truth is, you've never really experienced what true Christianity is. Still trying to figure it all out. And if you're like most people, you've been spiritually channel surfing and your head and your heart are full of all kinds of conflicting ideas and philosophies about what it means to be spiritual. And the way most people are is we, we chase after Success and significance and possessions and pleasure and power and popularity. And none of those things really seem to satisfy. We don't want to be known as you know, materialistic and shallow like that. So what we like to say is, look, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. But what does that even mean to be spiritual? I mean, being spiritual isn't inherently good. All it means is you brewed your own concoction, you know, you've, your own versions of God Jesus and morals and life and death and the afterlife. Picking and choosing whatever suits you. Mixing in a little bit of Kierkegaard and Hegel you picked up in college with a little bit of Oprah and uh, some Joseph Campbell maybe, some Tony Robbins, a little Deepak Chopra, throw in some Eat, Pray, Love, some Star Wars, throw in a few TED Talks and there you go. You got, you've built your own spirituality. Congratulations, you have become your own God. You have chosen whatever you think is right whatever you think is good, because you said, I don't want any outside spiritual authority telling me what to believe or what to do. I know what's best for me. I'll do what pleases me. And uh, so you're in this place where you sense there's a void, but you've filled it with all kinds of substitutes, all kinds of adapting and adopting different Spiritual philosophies, a little bit out of Buddhism and Hinduism, Baha'i, some meditation techniques, a little bit of uh, the paranormal, the occult, neo-paganism, maybe some political idealism, social activism. And that's your religion. Why in the world would we try to fill up that God hole with anything other than God himself? And so the first spiritual breakthrough invitation is to stop filling up that God void with anything other than God himself. But now I want to talk to those who are in chair number two. Those who are caught somewhere in the middle. These are the ones who are believers, but they're not fully devoted because they haven't really decided how much or how little of Jesus they want in their lives. They're kind of hit and miss. They're middle of the road. You know, one foot in the church, one foot in the world. And the truth is they're really more committed to themselves than they are to Jesus, which leaves them very frustrated and unhappy and disillusioned because they don't believe Jesus can really fill that, that void completely. And it could be that some are not even truly converted 
Because you've never really made it your own faith. You've never really gotten close to God on your own. Maybe your parents had you baptized as a baby or they dedicated you as a child and you thought, well, if I just am a good person and I show up at church occasionally, then I'll be okay with God. And now you're wondering, man, dude, I thought I knew God. Now I'm not so sure that I do. And so I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 55. There's a great verse here that I want us all to say out loud together. Here we go. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. He's near. Are you near to him? Because on, on stool number two, that void is there, but we don't trust God to fill it. And so we try to fill it with a little bit of God and a little bit of other stuff. You know, we... we we uh, only give God a part of our hearts. We give God a little corner part of our lives, not the whole thing. And so uh, our, our lives are marked by spiritual inconsistency and instability and compromise. A little bit of God, a little bit of the world. And some of it's okay, but some of it's very bad. We, we try to fill it up with some, uh, some friends, some clubs, business, career, some possessions maybe, some sports, the arts, busyness, just anything that keeps our life going in a constant word so that we don't really have time to slow down and deal with God himself. And so to you, I'd say you may need a fresh faith. You may need to, to get on fire for God again with more of that passion and heart and hunger you once had. You got to want that. You got to want it because let me ask you, which stool do you think holds the most frustration spiritually? Which one? Yeah, well, I don't think it's number one because these are the people who they're sold out for God. They say, you know what? I'm just going to live my life the way I think God wants me to. In my family, we're going to live the way we think God wants us to. And we're not going to be swayed or pressured by anybody else. We're going to live this faith in a real way. So they're good. People in stool three, they're kind of the same way. They don't have God in their lives, but you know what? They're, they're not living to please anybody but themselves. And so it's eat, drink, and be merry. I don't got to please anybody else. It's these people here on stool number two who uh, are trying to be both God pleasers and people pleasers. You can't please God and yourself and other people at the same time. It doesn't work. They're spiritually frustrated because their lives are marked by compromise and they've compartmentalized their lives into the God part and the other parts. You know, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's church Fred and then there's work Fred and they're very different people around different people. There's Saturday night Sally and there's Sunday morning Sally and they're very different people. There's a religious Lou and there's real world Lou. Very different because they've learned to compartmentalize their, their lives into the God part and the other part, which allows them to justify their behaviors because God's not fully a part of their lives. We, when push comes to shove, we don't truly love God completely on this second stool. We don't love him with all of our heart, with all of our time, with all of our energy, our money, our efforts. No wonder. We're unhappy and we're miserable. And so what else I want you to see, on, uh, depending on which stool you're in, is how it affects 
your children, how it affects your legacy, your parenting. Because what's going to happen is there's going to be a generational slide from stool one all the way over to stool three. We see it happen in the Bible different times. Back in, way back after the time of Moses, there was a, a leader called Joshua. And Joshua had experienced God in incredible ways, right? The, the exodus from Egypt, he'd seen the miracle signs and wonders, had this close personal stool one relationship with God. And so, you know, he didn't say, kids, whatever religion you want to choose, that's fine. If you don't want to go to church with dad, that's okay. No, he said what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, period. But after Joshua died, that whole generation that had grown up with him, those second generation leaders, they hadn't experienced God the way Joshua had. had. They had only seen God work really from afar. And they had experienced faith mostly through Joshua's faith. So this next generation was more like stool number two. Now what happens is this generational slide keeps going on into the next generation because by the time you get to Judges chapter 2, verse 10, now there's two generations removed from Joshua. So now we're dealing with Joshua's grandkids. And look what it says about them. After that whole generation, number two, had been gathered to their ancestors, they died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. They chose their own religious practices and became idolaters. Oh, they're still spiritual. They're just not God followers anymore. Say, what happened? How did, they, how did they forget all that? How did they not know about the Lord? Well, obviously their parents never told them, didn't live it out in front of them. And so they weren't left any kind of godly legacy. And so by the third generation, God is completely out of the picture. Maybe some of you have grown up in a Christian home and you could talk all day about the faith of your mom and dad, but you haven't experienced that same faith. You haven't had that same kind of relationship that your parents had. You've got more of a secondhand faith. And Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote on this kind of stuff, has seen families around the globe, and he says, you know what, the overwhelming majority of these first stool parents, they bring up kids who end up sitting on what stool? They, they stay on the first stool. The vast majority, why? Because they passed on a real faith to them. But listen closely to this, Dr. Wilkinson says, parents who are on stool number two, they bring up their children, and guess which stool they wind up on? Well, not number one, and not number two. Their kids wind up on stool number three, because that generational slide just continues on. Our legacy depends on which chair, which stool we're sitting on right now. What kind of legacy are you going to leave for your kids? Are, are they going to see you with a real faith? Or are they going to see you live in that hit and miss kind of compromised, compartmentalized faith? I mean, what cues are they taking from you? Well, here's what the brother of Jesus has to say about this. In James chapter 4, he says, draw near to God. In fact, this is one we all ought to say out loud together. Because this is really the theme verse for this series. Here we go. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. I'm going to let you say it this time on your own. Here we go. Do you want that? Which stool are you on right now? What you need to know is that if you're on this stool right here, number three, 
You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay separated from God, far from God. You can get up and move to stool number one anytime you want to. God can change your life in an instant if you want it. If you're willing to draw near to God. And so this is the most important spiritual breakthrough of all. Are you ready to begin a real relationship with God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ? Will you admit that you have fallen short of God's glorious standard, that you're not perfect and like everybody else because of your sins of unbelief and pride and disobedience, that you have separated yourself from God? Will you confess that he is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of God and you would receive him as your own savior. Would you turn from your own life, being your own God, this, this bad direction you're heading in and instead turn to God and experience that repentance, that you turn and receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be baptized so that you can empty yourself, be cleansed of all the junk that's in your life and be filled with the presence of God who will help you to make these commitments, to make these changes in your life. Now, some of you, you might be on the second stool and you need to rededicate your life to Christ. And you can do that right now where you're sitting. You don't have to come up and sit on this stool. Right where you're sitting, you call out to him in prayer. Or you might wanna come up and meet with one of the, these folks who are gonna be up here in a few moments and at the end of the service, and meet with them, and confess your faith, reaffirm your faith in Jesus, rededicate your life. Some of you may need to come up and say, I'm ready to be baptized, I've never done that. Whatever step you need to take, I wanna urge all of us to use this new year uh, as a way to, to strengthen our commitment, to get serious about our commitment. Would you make this commitment, this, this big idea, that I will passionately pursue God? That's it. Would you say that? I will passionately pursue God. What's that look like? Well, we'll see over the next couple of weeks. But this isn't going to be like another one of those New Year's resolutions where you make a decision today and then you have no intention of following through tomorrow. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you have a power beyond your own willpower to do what God's calling you to do, to make the changes God is calling you to make. And yes, we're going to fail sometimes. We're going to fall down, fall off the wagon, but we can repent and he'll pick us back up and keep us moving forward. Now, when is this spiritual breakthrough going to happen? I don't know. guess it depends on how much we want it. Are you ready for it? Well, let's pray. God, we want to ask that you would just come down among us right now in a special way. And we, we invite you here. We desire for you to be near us because you're the one that we really need. We want to be a generation that has a heart for you. God, we, we need you in our hearts, in our homes, in our church. Come and light a fire among us, God. Our church needs a breakthrough. Make us desperate for more of you Give us that discontentment with the way things are, with the way we are. And Lord, we don't want to just seek your hand for more blessing. We don't just want to bring our, our lists of our wants and needs. We want to pursue you with a passion. We want to be hungry for, for more of you and your word and your will. And we're, just, we just, we're fed up with the junk food of this world. Enough. I need a breakthrough, Lord. I need a comeback. I need a turnaround. I'm desperate for what you can do. I'm going to invite you while our heads are still bowed. You just take a few moments here and pray silently about whatever you need to, to get right with God.
We're still praying, but if you're someone who's ready to begin that new life, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me right now. In your, own, in your own words though, I want this to be your prayer. Just, Lord, I'm tired of feeling guilty, feeling empty, restless, feeling, feeling lost and afraid to die. I believe, I, be, I believe you made me because you want me to be with you and near you. I believe you made me for more than this. And so I turn to you, Lord. I put my trust in, in you and your son, Jesus, to be my savior, to take away my sins because I'm sorry for the way I've ignored you, I've rejected you, for the wrong things I've done. I don't wanna live that way anymore. I want you in my life. I, I wanna pursue you for the rest of my life. And so I'm praying it in Jesus' name, amen.